0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gradcracker webinar series today. I'm very excited to be joined by our good friends at the Royal Air Force. Gradcracker has a long history of working with the RAF. I'm lucky enough to have worked with them since since they joined Gradcracker nearly eight years ago. Today's modern day RAF is the UK's aerial peacekeeping and fighting force. The Royal Air Force performs a wide range of duties to serve and protect the UK and the world. Joining as a graduate, you'll get much more than just a job. You'll have the opportunity to travel the world and create lifelong friendships. Life in the RAF is a unique experience. So let's find out more. Firstly, I want to introduce you all to our guest speakers. So firstly, we have Wing Commander Manjeet Gatora. Then we have Flight Lieutenant Abby Addison, (laughs) Flight Lieutenant Carl Keens, (laughs) and Flight Lieutenant Mark Daly.
1: Hello.
0: Hello, Max. Starting with you, please. Can you give the audience an insight into today's modern-day REF? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, like you just said, there. So, the modern-day REF um, is a peacekeeping and also uh, war fighters in, in time of crisis. It gives the uh, the government of the UK options in, in a time of need. Um, but mainly, uh, there's jobs available uh, that people can apply for in all different sorts of professions and, and career roles. But um, the backbone of that really is the engineers and um, nearly half of the people within the RVF are engineers of some sort across many trades and specialisations um, and the people who lead them are the officers, they're the leaders, the managers. Um, so it's, it's those sorts of people that we're looking for to lead our engineers and get that cutting edge technology that we, we work with and, and that we have as part of the uh, UK's response to the time timing crisis uh, to be able to. Uh, get up when we need it 24 uh, 7 365
0: days a year yes 100 brilliant thanks Mark and Matt, could you tell the audience a bit about your role in the RAF
1: yeah so as a background I'm an engineer Systems, so that's looking after the airworthiness of air, aircraft but uh, currently I'm in a what we call a staff role so that's a bit of a step away from your normal day-to-day role and uh, going into um, a role where you can be doing sort of staff work that's not Well, not engineering. So I'm in recruitment at the minute. So I work in a specialist recruitment team uh, looking for uh, tomorrow's engineers and cyberspace professionals. Um, So I work in in recruitment selection within the RAF at Cranwell in Lincolnshire, um, where we recruit everyone that's going into the RAF.
0: Fantastic. Um, and there is so much change happening at the RAF, isn't there? You know, you are, you know, changing kind of the areas, you know, going a lot more into cyberspace, which is really exciting. And um, so you're recruiting from a, a breadth of you know different kind of STEM disciplines, aren't you?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We obviously we have to keep up with whatever the technology of today is and the technology of tomorrow, um, constantly changing, constantly trying to keep on that front foot. Um, as you say, things are, are changing all the time. Uh, just to put it into context. we've now got a space command uh, down at uh, RFI Wickham. Um, mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people are probably aware of the American style space command that's been about, but yeah we've also got one in the RF and, and uh, always looking at that, how it can be better um, and react better.
0: 100%, it's exciting. So before we go into more detail with the panel, Matt, can you please give the audience an overview of the current uh, opportunities that you'll have uh, up on the Grad Cracker Hub?
1: Okay, yeah, so Grad Cracker Hub, so we, we use Grad Cracker because we are after graduates who are studying engineering and computer sciences. Um, and with that, we've got two sort of roles that we uh, employ for. We've got the engineer aerosystems. These are your um, people who study in engineering in, or so general engineering or uh, aerosystems engineering. And then we've also got our engineers, communication electronics, these are your IT, software, computer science. Um, Both fall under different areas, one in engineering, one in cyberspace. Um, Currently recruiting um, are the engineer communication electronics, that's recruiting now for jobs next year. Um, And also we've got sponsorship for both the engineer of aerosystems and communication electronics, and that's open to both of the roles. So you can either, if you've got a graduate degree, apply directly for communication electronics, or if you're in uh, early stages of your university, you can apply to be sponsored to the university.
0: Brilliant. Do you want to talk a bit more about the bursary scheme, Mark, and for any students that maybe are in their first year at university thinking, how do I get involved in that, what what they need to do?
1: Yeah, so if you are interested and you are in your first year, we we are currently recruiting uh, people for the sponsorship to be Graduate, for, the, uh, sorry, for the graduates uh, in 2025, so I like you said you've got to be in your first year or about to start university. Um, how you apply is you go to the RAF recruitment website, you can go through the Grad Cracker uh, site to get there um, and you, that's where you, you can read more about the, the uh, sponsorship schemes and also apply directly to the RAF.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, so definitely go and have a look. Any of the, of the audience watching today Get on grad cracker, have a look at these opportunities and you know start to discover um you know the opportunities that are on there so I want to kick things off and find out a bit more about what life is like uh, in the area and uh, in the RAF and why it's no ordinary job. So Manjeet, I'm gonna to come to you. Can you tell us and the audience why life in the RAF is no ordinary job.
2: Oh my god where do i start you know <laughs> so, so um, i mean my, my career i think i'm probably the oldest person here by a long way um but uh, in two weeks time that'll be 23 years for me yeah, so you know I, I joined up straight after university and uh i've done so many different roles but the roles i've done would be impossible they're, they're nothing like anybody who i left university with we always talk about you know, what have you done today and I'll turn around and say, oh, God, you know, I'm, I'm deployed out in Oman or something like that, supporting our aircraft, which are flying into possibly uh, at that time, Afghanistan or wherever. Yeah. And I talk to them and they'll be saying, oh, right, I've got an office job or, you know, they've done really good degrees. They've done like physics degrees or, and things like that, but um, their jobs are no way as exciting as what we get to do. And the thing is, sometimes we take it for granted. So these opportunities to talk to people about what we actually get to do is really, really important, because sometimes we really, really forget how important our jobs are or how how amazing they are. So my last command job, I was in charge of um, the fleet of the UK's eight C-17 aircraft. And people remember that aircraft because it repatriated the Queen from Scotland back down to London. Mm. And that was my old... You know, my old squadron, I was oh, so proud and there's yeah. so many different opportunities like that where my job has been on the news and things like that, but we've just taken it for granted. Yeah. And then that's not even considering the other aspects such as such as the adventurous training and the support, the sport that we get to do. You know, um, I hate deep water. I'm a rubbish swimmer. And, uh, you know, one of, one of my colleagues turned around and said, do you fancy going scuba diving? And I'm saying, you're joking. <laughs> and seven months later, I'm, you know, I'm 40 metres down in, in oh. the waters of Ascension Islands. Uh-huh. And you just you just can't get things like that. And that, that, that's scratching the surface, you know.
0: Yeah, 100 mm-hmm. percent. So, Manji, if you don't mind me asking, where did you go to university and what did you study?
2: So um, I wasn't doing any engineering related A-levels at the time. And yeah. my background is my father was in the Air Force and we moved around a bit. So my sort of GCSE A-level education was messed up a little bit. So I joined late uh, and I ended up, um, so what happened was I actually joined cadets and I wanted to join up as a technician in the Air Force and then I joined cadets and realised, hang on a second, if I study a bit harder, I can actually go in as an officer and that sort of clicked something in my head. So I ended up doing um, uh, aerospace engineering at uh, University of Hertfordshire. And uh, yeah, I managed to go through there. I did a year out, which I think is absolutely still the right thing to do, to do a year out. Um, And then I joined up as an engineering officer um, back in 99. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. And you haven't looked back since?
2: I I genuinely haven't. You know, I I used to to say, (laughs) we used to joke with my friends, if you're not enjoying a job, Mm. don't do it. And yeah. like I say, it's been 23 years and there's there's no reason for me to, to leave now because I can see the up arrows of different opportunities. It's changed a lot in this, that time. But the technology we have now and the, the aircraft and things like that that are coming in and that we have is is step change, really. Mm-hmm. And exactly. at the end of the day, I'm serving my country as well. And people shouldn't forget that either, you know. Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. may be jobs out there which pay more, but they won't be serving your country and doing something for, for the nation. And and you know quite quite frankly the world sometimes you know looking at some of the the humanitarian operations that we've done I think
0: exactly 100 brilliant thank you very much for that Abby coming to you next and same kind of question why is life in the IRAF no ordinary job for you
3: hi there so for me I think the biggest part that's really sets the services or any of the mod apart is that lifestyle piece that you have it's not just a job Throughout my career, I've been in, I've actually joined about 16 years ago now on a bursary scheme. So I've, and I've sponsored the whole way through university. So that's exactly half my life, not half my adult life, half my life. I've been in and around the airport <laughs> and that yeah, brilliant. So for me, it's that lifestyle piece. It's not just a Monday to Friday, nine to five job. There are so many other aspects of life that you can get involved with when, when you're in the Royal Air Force. Um, first, Firstly, now that I have um, a family, and the Air Force family is, is, a really, is a really big part of the, of the offer for me. Um, we have um, nurseries and things on the RAF camps, on most RAF camps that we are based at which means I can um, easily like, fit, fit family around service life. But when I was um, younger and in university and just joining the the social scene of the Royal Air Force, we, we celebrate a lot of historic events in the Royal Air Force and we have um, key key functions throughout the year. We have receptions in the summer where we bring the local community in and and we get an opportunity to wear our um, lovely evening dress uniform as well and um, interact with the community. We also have functions where we have big formal dinners and we celebrate um, really key moments in history for the Royal Air Force and for the other services as well. Um, We have things like a branch conference every year where we talk about what's going on in the wider engineer branch but also um, in the wider engineering World in general. Um, It's a really great opportunity to bring lots of people together, people that you would have maybe worked with previously in your career that you haven't seen for a long time, you can bring them back together. Um, Another part of that for me, coming on from the lifestyle, is the friends that you make. You meet people and you go through really intense experiences, for example, training courses with them, or you go um, and you're deployed overseas on humanitarian missions or you're deployed on operational missions with groups of people and you form teams and you form bonds with them really quickly in a situation where you, you possibly wouldn't in any other role. Um, the friends that I've made so far are friends for life. One of the um one of the girls who I met on a train ride when I was 16 years old going for my interview whether I was going to get into a college bursary scheme, which we were both successful for. Yeah. Um, she was one of my bridesmaids, oh, and she's, she's still a serving officer in the Air Force as well, we're both engineer wow. officers um, and we're both the godmothers to each other's children so oh,
1: wow. these
3: bonds that you form with individual people that they, they run through and they, they are friends for life, um, I know I could walk onto an RAF base in different parts of the country and probably see someone that I've either worked with or no um so for me it, it runs really quite really quite deeply it becomes when you when you serve and you serve your country it it forms um it sits quite deeply within you and um it becomes a big part of who you are oh
0: my goodness. Right? <laughs> I just so fascinating and Mm -hmm. it's so nice to hear that um because you know I think we're going to talk about a bit later on but you know like the misconceptions of what life actually in the military is like and Mm -hmm. you know that's just a lovely way of putting it so thank you so much Abby and Carl, come to you next Uh, again same question why for you in the life in the IF is no other job
4: so, uh, hello. Good afternoon. Uh, I've just realised the wing commander. And I joined up on the same day. I think uh, I've been in twenty-three years and two weeks time. But I, I went via Thornton, so I joined <laughs> up as an avionics technician and, and commissioned later on during my career. But um, yeah, I can I can reflect and 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 take point of what's already been said. It's, it's not an ordinary job at all. Even though to us, it's a job you go. Nine to five, or some actually quite a like lot. It's not nine to five really, but uh, you go to work and uh, you, you you do your stuff and you go home. But it's not until you you talk to family and friends or even neighbours, and you sort of allude, you know, what you've been doing, and, and people are just fascinated because uh, mm. there's not many people around where I live um, that do what I've done and, and what I've experienced. And last, thank you to the Royal Air Force. um I think. A majority of my career I've I've been on uh squadrons. So um I, I remember once as uh, a as a young uh what we used to be known as SACs so was an SAC, and I was stuck in the traffic on, on the M25, thinking, oh, I've got to go to work and everyone else is stuck in this traffic. But I found myself smiling because I thought, who else is in this traffic jam wanting to go to work? I, I was gonna be going it was a Monday, I was gonna be going on a night shift, but I, I was living my dream. I joined up to work on helicopters, and I was driving to Benson to work on Merlin's. So uh, that I think highlights it's not an ordinary job. It, it's fantastic, and uh, it's full of surprises. I um, this year I, I was getting ready to finish my tour on eighteen Squadron, uh, just pretty much packing up my desk, packing up my locker. And then the Sango, the senior engineer officer, come come through and said, uh, "Do you mind travelling these for a couple of Chinooks? Uh, you know, and yeah, you know, we, we need to." send you out, pretty much can you prep the aircraft and go and again that's a fine example it's not an ordinary job at all and before I knew it I had a few Chinooks a bunch of aircrew loads of spare parts and tools traveling east for the army it, it was fantastic yeah. and uh friends for life I, I can totally relate with that um just a month and a half ago uh Merlin's no longer in the RAF However, there's a strong Merlin community still in the area because we've been employed elsewhere throughout uh, those aircraft uh, transferred to the uh, Royal Navy. But um, in September, Mm -hmm. about 100 of us met up in in Trafalgar Square for a reunion, and some of these people are just uh, are the best friends you could ever wish for, and some of them you don't see for a long time, but you talk as if you saw each other yesterday. Yeah. And, and that's that's immensely special. True right?
0: friends, yeah. Yeah, true. true
4: friends. And that, that's why it's no ordinary job in uh, from Cobbles.
0: Brilliant. Well done, Carl. I love that as well. And Mark, yeah. last but not least, how can you can you top that?
1: Uh I don't think <laughs> I can really. Um I, I suppose I could touch on a few points that people have made. Like Abby said, you you'll be walking around a, a base and bump into people. I bumped into Abby the other week at the swim pool at Cranwell's and kind of Double take. I thought, I know you from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. But, yeah, I I joined up. I joined up in 2009. And I can remember I turned around to my mum and I said, I've got a nine-year contract. I'm going to the World Cup in Russia in 2018. That was my goal, to save up some money and go to the World Cup and I'll be out. And I did nearly leave. I nearly left. um, When was it? After about six or seven years. Um, I'm so glad I didn't now. I really am. um, Because it, it just gives you... Uh, like, like people said you've got the adventure training, the sport um you can granted it's not all uh, rainbows and butterflies all the time there are there are low points you'll be away from your family and stuff like that but it's up and down up and down whereas i know most there's not that many people that go to work and love their job i don't i, I wish everyone loved their job um there's not that many people and i see most people go to work and it's just something they see that have to do and it's kind of like mundane every day this is the same whereas we we go to work we'll have those low points like everyone else but most of the time we've got high points um if if we go into work one week we'll be doing one thing next week we'll be going well, do you know what this opportunity to come up go away week for skiing um all within work's time work paying for it let's go do that let's get the morale up a bit you go back into work and then like carl said another opportunity comes up at work so you're not doing the same thing every day yeah um it's it's like I say it's uh, it does have its low points it as commitment, but it doesn't have a job um yeah. i can't I can't name many other jobs um I was going to say the Army and Navy, but we don't want to give them any quote on the r v f webinar <laughs> <giving> those high <laughs> that we do really. so yeah.
0: Brilliant. Um, next, I want to talk a bit about why you joined. And um, Manji, I know you kind of covered that a bit, you know, in terms of for, for your personal experience, you know, uh, with your, your parents and things. Any other thing you wanted to add to that on really why you wanted to join? Okay, if
2: you really want to know why I joined. And and the reality is that I mentor quite a few people as well who want to join. Mm-hmm. And I always ask them the, exactly the same question because it is no ordinary job. It should be a little bit difficult to get into as well. Okay, so you must have a really solid reason why you want to. And I always tell people if they don't have it to go away and think about it and come back again. Mm -hmm. And for me, yeah, I've grown up. So my father served for 28 years um, uh, with the Air Force. And I sort of grew up with it and grew grew up around it. But the reality is that I remember and this is going back. And I suppose, Carl, you're the only one who remember this then is is back in the 80s. So we're we're talking Ethiopian famine. Okay, Mm -hmm. And and it was the C-130 Hercules that was I remember watching on Blue Peter and seeing this big aircraft dropping relief aid out the back of it um, to all the starving children and people in Ethiopia. And I, uh, genuinely, I said, right, I want to be part of that organisation. And then fast forward, God knows how many years, and especially the humanitarian pieces that we did and evacuation pieces we did with with C-17, it sort of came full circle. So, um, yeah, it's putting shivers down my spine now because that's what it meant to me to join up is the fact that it, it means to be something more than just about the money and, and things like that that, that some people mm. are motivated by, um, but yeah, it was it was Ethiopia seeing C130s dropping humanitarian aid and saving people.
0: Thank God you did see that because then you know <laughs> you know they're here now. And doing it and you know saving and helping and um on that journey which is incredible and abby similar question to you if that's okay um you know why and more so you in terms of your bursary scheme and and how did that initially attract you
3: so unlike manjeet i was from a completely non-military family um the last military association with my family i think was second world war so I didn't really have a family legacy to to go on Mm. however when I was in secondary school I halfway through secondary school I joined my local air cadet squadron and I was from quite a big city from Southampton so we were quite lucky in the fact that my air cadet squadron was in a really big three-story building in the center of the city which was also um, an aircraft museum handily as well And there were lots and lots of people from all across the city that came there from 13 years to 18 years as cadets and then um, older uh, people as well that were doing the staff work there. And I went to a really big school as well and I had a good circle of friends at school, but the network which I joined when I joined the Air Cadet Squadron and we would go on a Tuesday and a Thursday for um, after, after school in the evenings, um, the, the people that I met there, I just met people from all across the city and really quite far away because considering my bounds were just the city before. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, there's just so much more to live than the same people I see at school every day. Mm-hmm. When I was involved with the Air Cadets, um, I went there, as I say, a couple of nights a week, which was brilliant. and um, started to do lots of weekend activities as well. We started to do lots of um, activities and sports and we would essentially have um, competitions between the other cities around the county and then I um, I got quite into the netball team and the hockey team and got to go and play um, against on behalf of my county against other counties which was great. We got involved in lots and lots of military activities so um, drill which was really good, um, learning how to prepare uniform and I've always liked to be like quite smart and neatly turned out so that really chimed with me to be (laughs) honest and and, um, we had a it's kind of similar to scouts. cadets have a, 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 a brevet that you wear, sorry, a lanyard that you wear on your arm and you can um, gather badges for ach- different achievements that you've done. And that really chimed with my personality as well. I had, outside of school, I had something that was developing me in a completely different way and showing me experiences that I've never had before. Um, I did things like first aid that... We never really covered in school. Learned things about military history, about aircraft, and as I'd been at the air cadets about a year, um, I started to experience flying as well. We went to um, a base probably about half an hour away, and I got to go on something called air experience flights in my uh, sorry in the tutors, which is a, a two-seater propeller aircraft, and it was the first time I'd been flying outside of um, going on holiday, and you think you're there up at 5,000 feet doing aerobatics. I was a 15, 16-year-old um, with a really retired Air Force pilot who was doing it as a voluntary activity. And I thought, this is absolutely incredible. We're doing <laughs> aerobatics. We're literally doing loops in the sky on a Sunday afternoon. And that, that first feeling of flight for me was just what got me absolutely hooked. And thankfully, I've got to spend my entire career to date in and around the aviation environment essentially um, everything that goes with the aviation environment and um, the smell of like aviation fuel being in that um, like mechanical based environment and being hands-on with the aircraft. Yeah brilliant. And so from air cadets I did a couple of years there and the person who was running the squadron at the time suggested I might like to go for a bursary scheme and I was really lucky and worked really hard at school and got good grades and I was successful on a bursary scheme which back in my day it was a residential scheme and you went to study for your sixth, your sixth form. Um, unfortunately that scheme's closed down now, we're doing something slightly different. Um, we still offer bursaries throughout the um, course of your university time and you can apply um, if you're at any university in the UK. Those bursary applications are open now on the Gradcracker Live Hub which I've been reliably informed. <laughs> um, so For me, the Air Force sponsored five years of my formative education the whole way through college and university. And then I joined the Air Force full time as soon as I'd graduated. So the Air Force was there for me every step of the way. It gave me, it opened my eyes to all the different opportunities and and things that you could do, skills that you could practise and skills that you could develop. It took me from a normal school person to a person with a really vast set of skills and interests. I've met people that I never thought I would meet and I could do things that I never would have been exposed to before.
0: Amazing. Oh <laughs> and it, it almost sounds like an upgrade not to join, you know, the best scheme. So why not? Um, you know, why not get that security at the end of it and, you know, get that training whilst you're, whilst you're learning. And um, Carl, come to you next. Um, yeah, same kind of question. Why, why the RAF? Uh,
4: so I'm a young, I was a young lad who grew up in Dover. So there's some very strong links to do due, uh, due to the Battle of Britain. So, uh, that's a place you can live and, uh, and it can capture your imagination. Um, as soon as I could in the 90s, early 90s, um, no, I don't look that old, but uh, I joined the Air Cadets. And again, I won't repeat what um, Abby said, but there was just so many opportunities there and you get a good insight to the Royal Air Force. Uh, the first time I ever flew in an airplane, I, it was a chipmunk at RAF Lehman. And uh, I, th- I thought it was fantastic. What an opportunity. And then I regularly went to RAF Manston to, to carry on those flying experiences in, in gliders as well um i i stayed in the air cadets and then the only reason i left because i joined a territorial army the reserve army when i started my a-levels so I was, I was very interested in joining the military i knew that's where my future was going to be so i was quite it was quite a unique opportunity in dover there was a ta center so um which was infantry so i always thought i'd join the RAF. uh however i could learn some military skills while i, sort of, while I was also studying for my a-levels um because of that, I nearly ended up in the infantry. I must say, because the, <laughs> there's an opportunity to transfer from the reserve army to the regular, and I absolutely, absolutely loved it. But uh, I took, i had some career advice from an uncle and um, a sergeant from the regular army. He said, "Look, stick on the path you started and, and get a trade," and, and that was fantastic advice. And uh, here I am. I—I'm I, in the RAF, and I, I carried on 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 that journey. Um, I, uh, yeah, went to Horton 1999 uh, after completing three A-levels in maths, chemistry and geography. Pretty much took a year out because uh, I I decided not to go to university. I was doing quite a lot with the army. Um, But yeah, I I, I joined a year after uh, doing my A-levels. And I must admit, the Territorial Army and the Air Cadets prepared me quite well for a career that, if you count the Territorial Army actually, uh, a career that's nearly 26 years old now. And and that's
0: how I joined. It's kind of going to lead me to your question, Mark. I'm going to ask you a slightly different one. If a student is listening now and they're not part of any of this, not part of air cadets, anything else, and the thought, oh, but I like this bursary scheme, I want to get involved, it's not too late at this point, is it? You don't have to be part of the air cadets or anything like that to be involved in the bursary scheme or an engineer officer.
1: Well, so air cadets... um, I was never part of the air cadets, I never wanted to be part of the air cadets, my brother was, it just never interested me, I was too busy kicking a bag of wind around the football pitch, um, mm-hmm. I, I was nowhere near good enough, um, so I should have tried harder at school, but you're right, you don't need to be part of the air cadets, it's just a coincidence that the three people on here are all did, and obviously enjoyed it so much that i carried on, um, if you do want to go through the bursary scheme, you will have to join the university air squadrons, there's university yeah. air squadrons all around the country, um, so we say to people, you know, get to university, join university, get to university, join your university squadron, and then that's when you can start applying for your uh, bursary. If you're not going for a bursary, again, no requirements. Um, it may help you. Uh, like Manji said earlier, we are picking the best of the best when it comes to our officers, and you will go through a selection process. Um, and you know, why, why wouldn't you try and get your foot in the door a little bit and get that sort of a knowledge of the Air Force and a bit of air power to try and help you on the way. And, and like uh, Abby and uh, Carl said, there's those opportunities of flying and things like that. Um, I went up in a glider um, whilst in the Air Force and we were not doing the loops. I would not let them. <laughs> it was level for me. I had no engines. So. <laughs> Keep it going forward, please. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're right. It's no prerequisite with air cadets, but if you want the bursary, uh, the sponsorship and uh, university air squadrons.
0: Perfect. Good. Good shout. Thank you for that. Um, Sophie, I think I want to hand over a few now, talk a bit more about the roles.
5: Lovely. Thank you very much. Well, it's been amazing hearing about your lives so far. But what I want to do now is kind of talk a little bit more about Day to day, you know, what, what do you do? You know, what is your actual current role? You know, what, what sort of things have you been involved in? I know we've heard like little snippets of bits um, so far, but Manjeet, could you tell us a little bit about your current role in the RF?
2: Okay, it's not engineering. Okay, so <laughs> don't, don't, don't shoot me down for that. But um, <clears throat> so, and this is, this is a really important point as well. So as you get higher up in the rank structure, it means that you can do different things as well. So um, although I've been an engineer and I've actually, I've been lucky enough to do both sides. So we we mentioned the communications and the aircraft side. Mm -hmm. So um, sort of the first two thirds of my career has been either one of those. So working on aircraft, but also supporting the aircraft, uh, sorry, the the airfield navigation aids out in Bastion and doing all sorts of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, just recently, I've actually been out in in Bosnia doing a, a plans job, which has got nothing really to do with engineering. And when I came back again, um, they said, what, with your previous background, um, because I used to be the engineering um, branch advisor, the professions advisor, and and all the, the fact that you've got uh, so many contacts everywhere, do you fancy going into a communications role, as in media okay. communications? So okay. that's where I sit now, bizarrely. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I do do help out with the recruitment side now and again so we look at ethnic minority recruitment so as as the senior seek in the armed forces I get dragged around to to those different events but in my day-to-day role now I do internal comms Mm -hmm. so it's sort of the um, uh, you could call it the sort of lesser brother of uh, you know communications as in uh, you know my my, uh, colleagues get to do all the exercises and operations but the reality is that doesn't really transpire. So if you think about the um, the evacuation of Afghanistan last year, um, my job was, instead of just doing internal comms, I was sitting down at Bryce Norton mm-hmm. talking to the BBC and Sky News crews whilst the aircraft are coming in and the people are coming in. It was my mm-hmm. job to, to make sure everybody was getting the right shots and not taking the wrong shots uh, mm-hmm. and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, just today so i'm trying to sort out now um, the chief of the air staff so our, the, the head person of the air force um i'm trying to sort out his he's going to have a whole force dial in so i get to engage with him directly and turn around and say, right sir what do you want to say right we're going to sort this out what so what are the themes and topics that you want to do um, but also anything anything at all that's happening in the air force it's a fascinating job it's almost like an ops job because Because of the communication side, whatever's happening in the Air Force, we need to know about it first. So it's absolutely fascinating because we sometimes don't know what's coming in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just recently, I mean, the latest story that we pushed out yesterday was all about the the Air Force Cross that was awarded to one of the 47th squadron pilots. Again, nothing to do with internal comms, but because of my background and connections Mm -hmm. with Bryce Norton, I know who to talk to. And it's like, that's such a nice story. What did he do? Let's go and find out about it and push that through. So Mm -hmm. yeah, so day-to-day, internal comms. At the moment, we're working, uh, although we're based at Headquarters Air Command, um, because of COVID and everything, we can have sort of flexible working. So Mm -hmm. I go in three days a week um, and work from home for for a few days a week as well. But because of the the IT systems that we've been given, Mm -hmm. that's not a problem anymore. So yeah, very flexible. Fantastic.
5: Wow. Mm. And um, how long have you been in this current role?
2: Two years. So Two just, years. just less short of one year to go. I think we mentioned Space Command there. So because, mm. because of the position I'm in, I'm a wing commander, um, I've become a little bit more of a generalist. I can pick and choose what I want. Mm-hmm. But what I always do at the end of each of my tours, I'm looking at my next, um, not, my, not just my next appointment, but also where can I go what we call out of area? So where can I get deployed to? And this is just mm. my own personal thing about... Um, I joined up not just to do a day to day job, but I joined up to deploy. So I've got a Mm. a couple of medals and things, but it's because that's what I joined up for. I want to deploy. I want to serve elsewhere. And, uh, you know, I'm now looking at opportunities to finish my Mm. tour off and then deploy somewhere for six months before I come back. And I'm really looking at Space Command because I think that's a a massive opportunity there. So I'll be looking at um, potentially looking there. Or going in mm. down into um, what we call MOD main building, you know, in, into London and doing some more jobs down there. But it kind mm. of opens up as wing commander and above. It opens up to what you can do. It's not just engineering.
5: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point mm. about, you know, how you can you the reasons you joined up and, the, and what you wanted to get out of your career. You've been able to kind of lead that and you've been able to have those conversations and decide kind of now you've got to that level. These are the types of things that I'm really and, interested in. And it,
2: and that that conversation and uh, the direction. So so I, I, I brief all the new, uh, especially the engineering officers coming through, because when I joined up, it was very much of uh, this is what you're we call them desk officers or career managers. This is what you're going to be doing next. But yeah. now I absolutely positively encourage them. No, no, no. Right. Especially especially the next generation coming through. They, they, they're far more savvy than, than I ever was but make sure you know, plan your career out, one, two, three tours ahead and make Mm -hmm. it happen. Have that dialogue with your career Mm -hmm. managers and you can do that. You're not gonna get just pushed into, right, go and do that job in that place now. You can negotiate that with your career managers a lot more than you could 20 years ago
5: yeah i think that's brilliant advice and i think it's it's absolutely right and it's 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 nice to to hear that you know that's a two-way conversation now and you know these absolutely. these um these engineers coming in you know you really do have um, a huge amount of opportunity we've heard about just from three people in the RAF so far, the amazing journeys that you've had and all the various different things that you've done. Um, so I think that's really good advice, Manjeet, to, to people watching now that are hopefully going to go on to apply to the vacancies to, to think about how they could shape their career and even start, you know, using the Grad Crack Company Hub, listening to your journeys to, to think about what they might want to do within the RAF. So, yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for that. Um, Abby, I'm going to come back to you now. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about your current role? So my answer to that question is also
3: one of my favorite things about life <laughs> in the Royal Air Force because ever since I graduated university at 21 and then got through my training and started my full-time role when I was mm-hmm. 22, 23, I've been able to give a different answer to that question every couple of years. Yeah. As Manjeet referenced, we, we move around in the Air Force mm-hmm. um, and there is also the opportunity to stay in one place. For example, Lincolnshire has got lots of different Air Force jobs. You could spend quite a few years here Mm -hmm. but on the whole every three or so years um, you would move around as an officer in different roles Um, in my early career I did some very hands-on engineering working with Mm. aircraft the Hercules aircraft that we were talking about earlier and I was working with vehicles I was in charge of big groups of people big teams of up to 100 120 people and technicians that look after the mechanical systems the, the engine systems and the electronic systems on board these different types of vehicles and different types of aircraft mm-hmm. um, i've also had um some time overseas as well um a couple of jobs ago now i took uh, three years out of the royal air force um sometime on maternity leave and sometime on a career break and um, my husband mm-hmm. who's also a serving engineer officer in the air force he got the job down in munich in south germany mm-hmm. And um, I went down there and we had our family down there, Mm -hmm. which was an absolutely incredible opportunity. And it's a really important point for me to draw actually, because the Air Mm -hmm. Force has an absolutely incredible family support package. And a part Mm -hmm. of that is really, really good maternity care. And Mm -hmm. as a graduate and many other 18, 19, 20 year olds listening to this conference, you probably won't think it's important right now. But believe me, (laughs) it comes around really quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. I had um, my first child when I was 28 years old. So Mm -hmm. that was actually only really after a couple of years of service. But Mm -hmm. other huge global companies like GE, for example, which are arguably a competitive employer for engineers, engineer managers, they are uh, they're not a patch on the air force's maternity package and certainly not on the family offer with pro- the provision of accommodation and wraparound childcare and nurseries and things like that mm-hmm. um so going back to answer your question my favorite thing about the answer to that question is my job changes every couple of years I've lived in lots of different places up and down the country um even lived three years overseas um mm-hmm. my role immediately before, because I've just changed roles at the moment, immediately before was another hands-on engineering job as well, um, on the Red Arrows, which um, many people Mm. have enjoyed Red Arrows displays throughout the summers in the UK, and I was there looking after a small team of eight engineers and the pilots, and we moved around um, the the country and we did a bit of European displays over the course of the summer as well that was really hands-on engineering physically Mm -hmm. fixing and cleaning the aircraft in between each of the displays and indeed flying in them Um, I've just changed to a role within our headquarters department um, down at High Wycombe in Buckinghamshire and I'm now on a team that is responsible for delivering a bit of a transformation project Um, so the air force has always got an eye on the future and it's looking to compare itself to other employers because um retaining people is really, really important to us, but also Mm -hmm. making sure that we have a really modern offer and we are aligned with other employers um, as well. It's really important. So we've gone through a bit of a transformation of how we internally manage our professions and how um, how we deal with people's roles. So I'm on a team now where we're delivering that internally within the Royal Air Force. I'm doing things like Going on roadshows to all the different RAF bases, catching up with friends um, across the UK, and giving delivering briefings about what my team is doing, and we're also delivering briefings about um, about the projects that we've got going on. For example, um, how to become an incorporated engineer or a chartered engineer, because professional development is really important as well. Mm-hmm. So my role now it's moved away from that frontline hands-on engineering where I'm physically touching the aircraft and flying in the yep. aircraft to a headquarters staff role and that's that's the beauty of life in the service as well those are actually standalone careers and professions Mm. outside the Royal Air Force you you would be um you would be a physical hands-on engineer and that's what you would do you would work at British Airways and you would work at Heathrow in their hub and that's what you would do for your whole career you wouldn't have the opportunity to move around something that's really important to the Air Force is developing people professionally as I mentioned with the professional registrations and incorporated engineer, chartered engineer, engineering technician with these nationally and internationally recognized bodies. Mm -hmm. But it's also important to the Air Force to develop people and give them breadth and in their career as well. So you have roles that um, look at our business and our operations from the highest headquarters level and from the squadron level where you're day in, day out flying and dealing with the aircraft and equipment.
5: That's fantastic. I mean, I think I think you've just touched upon so many different points. Um, <laughs> that, that, that is, you know, but really important. I mean, I, you know, I love um, what you were saying about, you know, the support that you get, you know, from maternity, family, and the fact that as a graduate, you probably don't think about that straight away. But you like don't. you said, I didn't. It's, no, I, like, I didn't. In the future, that's
3: <laughs> yeah, that's when I'm a real grown up. But yeah, yeah, I think six and a half years out of training, mm. and I was going on maternity leave because yeah. It comes around quicker than you think. It really
5: does. I mean, I had my first daughter last year. So yeah, I know it, it comes it comes around really, really quickly. And I don't yeah, you don't really understand how important those aspects and having you know being able to go to work and having a nursery or wraparound care, that sort of thing on site, you know, is is, is really, really important. And right. I think our audience really do need to understand, you know, at this early stage, you do need to be thinking long term, especially if you're joining somewhere like the REF and all the stories that we've heard so far where, you know, it's it's a it's a lifelong career. You could have an amazing career here and all these things play into that. Um, so it's definitely worth looking at that sort of thing as, as a graduate. And then everything you were saying about, you know, the the breadth of career opportunities that you've had just so far in your career. Um it's just fantastic to hear and you know it's 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 really good for our audience to get really get an understanding of okay yes I can be a hands-on engineer but I actually do have the opportunity to then go into a more business strategic role as well and it's not all you know working on the ground so um thank you very much for that Abby um Carl I'm going to come to you um yeah same same sort of question what what are you currently doing at the at the REF? what's your role
4: yeah, so um, I've, I've had a career of fixing aircraft really and being in an the aircraft environment but what I'm working on now, I, I'm within the career management HQ uh, command at High Wycombe. So my role is to work with the career manager and also the EPat, the engineering profession, advisory team to create the jobs of tomorrow and formalise the jobs we've got now. As it's been mentioned, the RAF is uh, and our environment and, and the world environment is continuously evolving through technology, um, various activities or events around the world so we need to have people in the correct positions uh, providing the, the, the output we require, so that, that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing since April, uh, working with both of those bodies, engaging with many stakeholders across the, the Royal Air Force, knowing enough every station, um, staffing and creating the jobs for tomorrow, and Um, it's worthy of note as well actually Tri-Service, so even though Royal Air Force we're talking about Royal Air Force, we we work with our sister services too, so as one example, to gain experience for the Tri-Service and and to gain our knowledge on on the Army and Navy I've created jobs with the Army at um, Watersham, so we have Royal Air Force personnel at Watersham working with the Apaches and I've created uh, jobs in the Navy at Yeovilton and Cold Rose. so Mm -hmm. when, when we deploy you can end up working with your sister service is near enough every time. When I've been to Iraq, Bosnia, Afghanistan, all these places, the army and navy's always been there. So understanding how they operate and for them to understand how we operate as well is crucial. So uh, it's, been, it's been really, it's one of the highlights of my career. 23 years, this position's been quite, it's, it's, it's a privilege really, having such a, an impact on the RAF of today, but more so tomorrow. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's, that's what's been keeping me busy for the last. uh,
5: (laughs) It sounds it. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm going to stay with you, Carla, to to kind of go back to some of the points that we've heard a little bit about, but we know that work-life balance is really, really important. and it can be a kind of common misconception that life in the military doesn't allow you to have that sort of any sort of normal home life. And listening to you all talk, you know, where, where you've been and where you've been based and moving around next and Z, um, what are your experiences of having kind of a normal life outside of the RAF since, since you've been, been part of the RAF?
4: Well, um, I've been away a lot. I've, I've been on <laughs> operational squadrons, and, and we have and I, I've particularly uh, spent quite a lot of time away from home. But that's why mm-hmm. a lot of us join uh, the Wing Commander mentioned earlier on. He's, he's joined to, to go and deploy and see stuff and, and gain yeah. experiences. So I, I've I've done that. Um, I I think I've I've I think I've visited, and some of them stayed quite some time. But 50 countries um, whilst I've been in the RAF. I was a GE, so I, I flew around, and there was a few day stops there. But but other mm-hmm. countries I have spent quite a lot of months in. Um, mm-hmm. but, but even though the, the career has been extremely busy I've, I've been able to find that balance um I, I don't mind sharing this my, my wife and I we adopted our daughter and to do that when I was at Benson on a very busy helicopter squadron to for the squadron and the Royal Air Force to provide me the time I needed to go through that process considering yeah. we're committed to the Middle East um it's the best advert and mm. even though we were really busy um, the Royal Air Force gave me six months leave to form an attachment with the, the, the little girl we adopted. So uh, you, you, the balance, if, if, it's, if it's needed and it's, and it's there, the raf will do its utmost to, to provide, provide the goods. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you miss birthdays, anniversaries, Christmases and what have you. But um, again, it's, it's not an ordinary job, is it? So, <laughs> so uh, it, it goes back to that, really. But yeah. um, it, it can be a challenge. However, yeah. um the service is there to support you. And, mm-hmm. and if you need to get home or there's a certain event or, or something you can kind of, need to be home for, the service and your chain of command to do the utmost to make sure you make that appointment.
5: Mm. No, that's that's lovely. I think that's um a really nice thing that you kind of touched upon there with the support that you you've had personally, but also you know the if you're joining a career like the RAF, you kind of have to be that sort of person that understands that there is going to be that time away and there is going to be X, Y, and Z. But it sounds that you you get so much support, and like you said, if there's something that you really need to be there for, you'll be supported to do that. And if there's things in your life where you need extra time, you're supported to do that. Um, so I think it's having that that two sides, isn't it, of, of knowing what you're getting, what you're going into, but also knowing that you're going to have the resp- the, the support where needed. So thank you for that, Carl. Um, Manji, I'm going. To- to kind of touch upon your experiences there as well because I know you said that that was why you wanted to join the RF you wanted to be here there and everywhere so mm-hmm. how has that kind of played into your kind of work-life balance if you like? <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably a bad example if I'm totally honest with you um, because I'm, I'm you know I'm coming up to nearly 49 now and mm-hmm. uh, I only bought my first house sort of uh, five years ago um, mm-hmm. but that's because the Air Force always allowed me to live in wherever I was. I was always living in a, an officer's mess somewhere. Mm-hmm. So they provided accommodation. So it meant that I had the flexibility. I didn't have to worry about where I was going to live. So you still have to pay for it, but to mm-hmm. subsidise rates. Um, yeah. And even when I was, I was, so I was posted down into Bristol as well, um, where we, we do our support organisations and things down there, engineering support. Mm -hmm. Um, And they provided a flat. And so Mm -hmm. I never had to worry about accommodation. So I never really put my roots down anywhere. And what's happened is that um, when I was growing up, we had lots of different bases in lots of different locations. So, you know, the joke was that you did the Lincolnshire tour because there were so many bases around Lincolnshire. Um, But over the years, they've now closed down. So we've only got we've almost just got super bases everywhere. Okay. but but the Air Force recognises that we can't move somebody right from Bryce Norton all the way up to Lossiemouth the north of Scotland overnight and things like that so our careers mm-hmm. have changed now so that you can spend more time in one location absolutely yeah. definitely so um, you know my, my work-life balance I, this is now probably the fourth different role I've done at Headquarters Air Command but mm-hmm. they're all completely different yeah but The service has allowed me to actually put my roots down in a local area, so now I can stay here. But um, you know, and like I say, the 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 offset is that we do have to go away. But that's Mm -hmm. something personally I joined up to doing. Yeah. uh, Most most of my out of area um, appointments have always been extended for one reason or another. So, (laughs) um, but 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 then again, I don't mind that because you're doing it for service needs. It's not because. It's, it's not personal. It's always because of service needs. And, you know, mm-hmm. my, my extension out in Bosnia um, because of COVID, no one could, could to, you know, stop that. But it's one of those yeah. things that you just go and do and people you need to have people around you that understand that. For mm-hmm. me, it's great. And I love doing it. It's the opportunity. It's, it, it is a bit of a thrill. Absolutely. It is, you know, going to see those different places. It is absolutely amazing to go and see how different um, countries work. And uh, I have to admit, i just just so touch on this in, in, the, in the Bosnia piece. We, we were working with 12 different nations um, <clears throat> as part of the peacekeeping keeping force there. But I came back and I was so proud because I, it's not until you see other people and see how the other militaries work that you'd realise, bloody hell, we're actually pretty bloody good. You know, we're at the top of the pile. And I mm. felt so proud that we're part of this organisation that, um, yeah, we lead the way in so many different things. Yeah. not sure that answered your question. <laughs>
5: No, no, it did. It was, you know, this is this is all about the different personalities and, you know, the different reasons for people to join up and then the support that you've had recently to be able to put down those routes when you wanted to do so. You know, it's all about um, your own journey, isn't it? And your own, what you want to achieve out of your career. So, you know, you need to have an organisation yeah. that's going to support that on a personal level, which I think, you know, from all of your stories that we've heard so far, the RAF has absolutely done that and, for and, what you needed at the time.
2: And there was financial support as well, so buying your house as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not sure that that's uh, you can get that anywhere else. But that's Mm -hmm. uh, that's just another one of those benefits of joining the Air Force.
5: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, I'm going to hand back to you, Jess. Now, I mean, it's been amazing listening to all of your. Journey so far, um, but I know Jess wants to touch upon some more of the details of the application processes and training and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I'm going to go back absolutely. to Jess. But so,
0: Abby, I'm going to come to you and just if we could just quickly touch upon a bit about training and um, how that looks. You mentioned earlier about chartership and things like that. So if you could give a quick overview of any kind of training you have experienced or others would experience, I'm so, guessing it's going to be vast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and from being an engineer in the Air Force, as we know, because we're on a Grad Cracker Forum, is one of those roles that requires you to have a degree beforehand. Um, yeah. But it doesn't stop there once you're in the Royal Air Force. The Air Force has lots of different ways in which it looks to develop you professionally as an engineer throughout the course of your career and the whole way through the course of your career. Um, mm-hmm. Right from when you're coming in and doing your training. So, um, so you finish university and you come into the Air Force. You do um, a period of time training on how to be an officer and how to what the Air Force looks like and how that works. And then you go and do some more specialized training about how to be an engineer in the Air Force. And you learn about our specific aircraft that we operate: the fast jet aircraft, the transport aircraft, the helicopters. And you learn a bit about um, other vehicles and ground support equipment that we would use as well. Um, part of that course is accredited um, by certain universities and it changes over time we sometimes um, in the past we've been with one university sometimes we'd go with another. And you can, after you finish your initial training course, engineering training course, you can do a bit of extra top up work that uses workplace um, projects that you've done you can write essentially a few essays and you can actually get a separate standalone degree. Um, so that's absolutely brilliant. So by the time you're 25, you're gonna have two degrees mm-hmm. within the Royal Air Force. Um, the Air Force also operates schemes that um, allows you to do level six and level seven degrees on a part-time basis um, through, and there's funding allotted for that as well. So that's master's level study and um, part-time alongside your, your day job and up to even including PhD study. I've got a colleague that's studying PhD in cyberspace communications alongside her mm. day job. Um, Because the Air Force recognises that actually, by giving people these opportunities and allowing you to professionally develop the the breadth and the experience that you bring back to the role in the Royal Air Force Mm -hmm. is just absolutely, it can't be um, be beaten anywhere else. And we also have um, very um, long established funding programmes and associations with the Engineering Council and with the engineering institutions in the United Kingdom. So my degree personally, mine was accredited by the Institute of Mechanical Engineers, and we have a really strong link with their military programme as well. And they um, they have a, a route in for engineer officers to go and um, take your... Set your interview and they look at the experience that you've done in your service and map it across to civilian life and you um, can you can be an incorporated engineer so I did that um, actually when I was on maternity leave the second time um, with my experience behind me working on the flying squadrons and they also do the same to get you to a chartered engineer as well and um, because the Air Force recognises that we need to have people working at the same levels because we work a lot with civilian companies um, as Manjeet mentioned, a lot of his career centered around Bryce Norton. Mm -hmm. Um, There, for example, we have lots and lots of civilian companies on base, for example, Boeing, and we need to be able to talk on parity with our counterparts. Um, mm-hmm. so there's a really broad range of professional that industry experience as well yeah that's really yeah. interesting that's a really good mm-hmm. point that yeah And
0: um, next I want to talk a bit about um and I'm just I'm conscious of time as well but it's yeah. such a massive thing and, I, and again Mark we talk about it a lot you know when we're looking at the hub and the content for the hub is how this kind of sports and society like a networking element of it and social elements of the REF and the opportunity uh for, graduates you know and officers coming into the RAF you know whether you know Manjit you mentioned about scuba diving and the opportunity you know to go and do that so I just want to kind of make that really clear because that's a huge thing (sighs) I think is a really unique for the RAF and really exciting so has anyone in particular got a story or anything they want to share quickly about that kind of element of
2: Do, do you want to want to know what I'm doing now so, so, so basically, <laughs> I used to, every station I went to, I saw what was going on and did something else there. Okay. So I was skiing, scuba diving, and now, because I live near RF Halton, um, they do microlight flying there. And uh, right. so now I'm using my, because once you've done, I think it's five or six years in service, you get these enhanced learning credits. Mm-hmm. So I've used my enhanced learning credits to get my microlight pilot license. it's taken it's taken a while but it's another opportunity where you can now fly and even even with the prices of fuel going up um i think we're gonna have to put our prices up again but you can fly for about 55 pounds an hour in Mm. uh, in microlights and the, the planes that we fly they're all brand new they all have the latest latest safety gadgets on them because we need to we need to show that we are you know this is what you can do when we go into flying and meets and things like that but um, yeah, there's so many different opportunities, um, and and to be honest with you, on that side as well, um, just in a couple of weeks' time, um, because we maintain all our own aircraft, we're all uh, either ex, uh, the technicians or we're engineering officers. Um, I've got the chance to go and do an engine course, so I'll be maintaining the engines in the future as well. So Brilliant. we try and That's develop good. our our, our yeah, people as, well as part of the the organisation.
0: Fantastic opportunity. Just going
2: just gonna to add on to that, really, and, and Manjeet and
1: all these stories. Um, I thought he was going to come out of it himself, but we've got people in sport from the very beginning, absolute beginners that can go to training weekends all the way up to we have a Jamaican bobslayer in the Air Force. We've got Olympians. Um, yeah. you know, people can get on to rec- um, high-performance athletes all the way through to elite athlete status. So they're actually going and um, competing. So right now we've got women from the RAF in the World Cup, played for England, Wales and Scotland. I think England wow. left in at a minute, but for the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's opportunities there for everyone. There was a triathlon yeah. week. I'm into triathlon. There was a triathlon training camp at the weekend and that was open from beginners all the way up to the high-performing athletes.
0: Yeah, it's just this, the opportunities. As cheesy as it sounds, are endless. <laughs> from bobsleighing. To right. scuba
1: I'm diving, diving. But, but, what I,
2: but what i will say the people that we want are the people that w- will go out there and get them yeah so these things aren't going to be handed to you and this is the sort of person that we need to join up is the person who goes out looking for it and mm-hmm. uh you know the more proactive you are the more things you'll get to do
0: 100 yeah. yeah and that's a perfect way to kind of round it up mac i'm just going to come to you quickly just to for any students that are thinking oh where do I sign up I want to get involved this sounds amazing just to kind of inform them on the application process uh, timelines and any kind of next steps they need to know about
1: okay so, so the grad cracker site will have, we'll have loads will have of information um I'd start there and if you're still interested go on to the RF recruitment website where um, it'll have again lots more information it's got more information on about the application process the eligibility requirements of um what you need to join up. Um, In terms of timelines, like I say, right now, we are open for engineering, communication, electronics uh, officers. Um, We need some for early next year, early recruitment year, recruitment year next year. So we're talking May. So if you were to apply now, you could be in as early as May. Um, Mm With, with that, we've, we're always um, looking to, like with sponsorship to get people in further down the line. So you could apply for your sponsorship and be further down the line and uh, yeah. join up in 2025. Usually we say about six months uh, from applying to uh, getting a place, but it all depends mm-hmm. on where the places are. I say Aero Systems. if you apply for an AeroSystems job, you probably won't be looking at getting a job until uh, 2024. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, if you really are interested in that and you're in that position for sponsorship, go down the sponsorship route. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go, go to the websites. They've got all the information on the steps you'll go through because of our few steps, including the interviews, medicals, fitness. Um, yeah, so I'd start there. Go to the Cracker hub. Go to the yeah, RFP all on
0: there. It is yeah. There's and it, we said medical fitness and stuff like that. That's not too scary either. I've even yeah. looked into that. I thought, oh god, how you know mm-hmm. how fit do you have to be? But it's mm-hmm. all quite you know all right stuff so definitely go and have a look at that there's so much information on it so just to round up I just want to thank you all so much for your time and efforts it's you know mm-hmm. really really insightful to hear from you all uh, this afternoon and I really appreciate you all giving us uh, the time to to hear about your stories so for the students that are still with us and listening this session has been recorded and um, the recording will be live this afternoon on the REF Hub and within the Grad Cracker Career Centre. Uh, remember, we'll also cut it up into little highlights as well. So, um, you know, if you, if you want to watch back, make sure you do. Um, and just really for anyone... <clears throat> that are thinking about taking the next steps, go and do it because, you know, like I say, I've worked with the RAF for what, the last eight years now and the experiences that I even get to hear from Mark and everyone else is just phenomenal. Um, Mm And as we've mentioned, it's no ordinary job. So um, go on, have a good look, uh, follow and get applying. And just want to highlight as well, uh, next week, we will be joined by uh, MBDA. And again, that'll be Thursday, 2 p.m. So make sure you join us for that, and we'll see you then. But everyone else, I just want to say thank you so much again, and uh, we'll speak to you all soon.
5: Thank you. Okay. Thank yeah. you luck, Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.